Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. So here's a text scripture, and look at this scripture, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 34. And I love the way that the, the, there's a couple, what I underline here, it says, uh, th- this is like the hall of faith portion of the Bible. It says, quenched raging fire, escape the edge of the sword, gain strength in weakness. I love the way that that says that, gain strength in weakness, became mighty in battle. And I love the way that that says it. And so um, those two phrases is kind of what it spoke to my heart. And I felt like the Lord was directing to do something on this to help us. So it's not about my teaching or preaching and how good it is. It's about how much God loves us and how he wants to help us if we get put into the hot water. Okay. So we can um, look at battles differently. And when something happens in your life, you can look at it with fear, and fear is a killer. You know, it's hard to be in faith and fear at the same time, but the Lord wants to help us get out of fear. So if if fear is something that you've looked at some of your battles with when you get thrown into the hot water, the Lord wants to help you not to be in fear. You can look at battles that come as if you're a victim and you get into self-pity. And so um, in Christianity... Uh, The first thing that the Lord would want all of us to do when we become a Christian is to get out of a victim mentality and to get out of a self-pity place uh, because it's not faith and it's hard to have victory if you look at yourself like a victim. Uh, You might say, well, why does this always happen to me? If you say things like that, you have a victim mentality and the Lord wants to help you get out of there. Because if you, if you say, why does this always happen to me, you're seeing yourself as a victim all the time, and you're not seeing yourself as seated in Christ and being able to live victorious. Okay, so there are situations that come in our lives, and, you know, how we respond to those situations. Uh, so after you get through a situation, you could say, well, I'm, I'm kind of glad that happened because I, I really learned something in that situation, uh, and it helped me to get to another level, and I, now I know how to deal with that. But here's the thing, like some situations that come, every situation that come, comes into our life, it doesn't mean it's God, okay? As an example, God doesn't put sickness and disease on us to teach us how to get healed. He doesn't do that. Sickness and disease comes from the devil. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. So if sickness and disease would come on you, you wouldn't say, well, the Lord put this on me to teach me something. No, because the Lord's not doing that. But the Lord could say something like, do this, and it might be something you don't want to do, like serve in this area, and it's like, that's not where you want to serve. And by you responding to that properly, it builds character. And so that's the kind of things that the Lord will say, and that will test us you know, move to Antarctica and preach to the, to the seals. Right, you know, just, I'm just being ridiculous, but you're, you know what I'm saying? So we could say this, that battles and challenges can be the vehicles that propel us to new levels of strength and might. 
And, uh, and I, I had that to put up on the screen. So battles and challenges can propel us or, or can be vehicles. Oh, I guess that's, that's on up there. As long as that's on, I know it's getting put up there, then I'm okay. Okay, so this is a way that you can look at it. Battles and challenges can be the vehicle. So it's, it's the opposite of a victim mentality. Battles and challenges can be vehicles. So, so even a test, the way that the Lord tests us is he'll say, do this or go here, and we might not want to. That, that would be a test from the Lord. Keep doing this until I tell you to stop doing it. That would be a test, and he's going to see how we respond to that. Okay? Uh, I remember my brother, uh, my brother Michael, some of you know who he is, and he pastors in Canton, Ohio, and we were living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and one day the Lord said, I want you to go in your bedroom and close the door. It was a beautiful sunny day in Oklahoma, and, the Lord, and we were just getting ready to go through Bible school, and the Lord said, I want you to go in your bedroom, close the door, and then go into your closet, your, you know, the closet where you hang your clothes, and close that door, and I want you to pray. And everyone else was like in the swimming pools. Like every, there was a bunch, you know, we were at, a, at an apartment complex and all these people are out swimming and the Lord said, do this. But you know, it's interesting and I'll tell you this story about my brother. He moved to go to Bible school with my brother Joe and me, but he really didn't hear from the Lord. He was following his brothers and not the Lord. And so he went into that closet to pray and in that closet praying, the Lord said, I never told you to move to Tulsa. I told your brothers, you, you aren't following me, you followed them. Now go back to Ohio. And he told us that, and he packed up and moved back to Ohio. And he didn't go through Bible school with us because he said he was following, the Lord said, you're not following me, you're following your brothers. Well, his wife was pregnant. They were only like 18 years old at the time. He's like uh, 50 four or 56 somewhere like 50 somewhere in that area now uh, so this is a long time ago his son was born and this i don't know the percentage but it's a small percentage of children when they're born the intestines are on the outside of them instead of the inside and so his first son was born with the intestines on the outside and not the inside well guess what was with in a 45 minutes to one hour drive for where he lived in ohio one of the best clinics in America to deal with that. So immediately they, they, were, they rushed him to another hospital. To make a long story short, he, his son has two kids living in California. One of the most creative guys I know, the way he can play the bass guitar, amazing. He writes songs, very unusual kind of music, uh, like uh, not, what, not your top 40 kind of music, you know. But what a creative son he has, and he's alive. And part of the reason would be maybe because he went into the prayer closet and prayed and the Lord said, go back to Ohio. You weren't following me. You're following your brothers. And he was right where he needed to be when his son was born and his son, as a result, lived. So these, these are the kind of things, the way that the Lord would test us. Uh, and, uh, and then we just do what he says. And it, it's very profitable when we do that, okay? So um, as we, you know, I just thought about I just did this little Google search and looked at all the various things that can come against us uh, in life. And so I just even put a, just a few of them here compared to what I could have put on here. But like you could have been abandoned, you could have been abused, you could be, uh, have a problem with timidity, 
Uh, you could have been falsely accused of something. You could ha have been dealing with addictions. You may still be dealing with addictions. You, you could have a problem with being ambitious, and it's, uh, you're, you're following ambition instead of uh, God. You could have a problem with anger, anxiety. You can be confused. You could be depressed. You could be dealing with doubt. You could have a tr trouble and you doubt all the time. You could be envious. You could, uh, you could have had past failures and you're still not recovered from your past failures. You can have fears right now. You could have a hopelessness try to come on you. You could have sickness or illness on you. You could have an insecurity a problem. You could be lonely. You could be moody. You could uh, be dealing with stress. You could be negative. You could be obsessed by something. You could be dealing with poverty. You could, you know, uh, you could be violent. And this is just, I just took a, a little percentage of what came up with the things that we can deal with in life. So you understand what I'm saying. All of these things, Jesus came to give life and the life more abundantly. And so anything that kills, steals, and destroys is not the Lord. And instead of just saying, well, I just accept this, I'm just going to accept this. Uh, you know, either I'm getting, like I'm getting older, so because I'm getting older, I just accept the fact this is going to happen. Well, just so you, the Lord will heal older people. The Lord loves those that are over 60 years old. I'm one of them. Thank the Lord. You know, and he will heal us, and he will help us to have abundant life. Okay? So, um, so just even a lack of wisdom in areas. And, and I remember... Um, when we were in Italy, and so like education and common sense can get you pretty far. <laughs> you know, as an example, there's surgeons and people operating on human beings that education enables them to do surgical work and the medical profession, lawyers, all the people that would go to school for a long time, education and common sense can get you pretty far. But the interesting thing is you can have education and, and you can have, you know, like common sense, but sometimes the Lord might give you wisdom that overrules your, the, the education and the common sense and have you do something in an uncommon way. And so it's even an example with that. So, so even when we think about a lack of wisdom and just trusting him, when we lived in Italy, we felt like the Lord wanted us to get the Italians on television to preach the gospel in their language, and we couldn't speak Italian well enough to do it. So I felt like the Lord said, do this. Well, we had two television cameras that we had, and that's all. They were, they were, um, they were digital, praise the Lord for that. And we had two of them. They were paid off. But we had to get a whole studio. We had to hire people. And there, it was like a big project. And so we've done projects before. We've done building. We've, built, we've done things in buildings on four continents or, or three continents. So we, we know what it's like to do a project uh, in different countries, even that speak different languages. So we just thought, well, here we go, another project. But the, the Lord, Patsy didn't have peace about it, and she couldn't hook up with it. So I felt like she was kind of like, not hooking up with my what the Lord told me to do but I I trusted her in it she said I'll do one thing I'll pray with you but I can't hook up with this so she we start praying well two years later after praying on and off not every single day but every time we thought about it we thank the Lord for for wisdom two years later a plan fell out of heaven and it came on and the Lord said here's what you do and there were ten Italians that we picked out that could minister and preach very well take those 10 Italians to the States. He gave me five pastors. They were Italian-American pastors. And these five Italian-American pastors, they have a heart for Italy. You contact them, 
and asked them to pay for the airline tickets, the hotels, the food, and they all had television ministries, every one of their churches did, asked them which one of them would do the, uh, record everything, and then have them put it from NTCS to PAL or whatever, whatever Europe is. I get mixed up on who's what I think Europe is PAL, P-A-L for the color system. Uh, and, then, and then give them to you ready to put on. Well, I wrote those five pastors. Two of them were my brothers. <laughs> and then, you know, the other two, Bill Anzavino, uh, that's a good Italian name. John Nuzzo, uh, good Italian name. What's the guy from uh, Tony Storino from New York? And then the Caminetti brothers. So these wrote these five Italian Americans. They had Italy on their heart. So it came to pass exactly the way the Lord said. So what we thought we were going to do the common way, where we raise money to get a building and, and hire people, the Lord had us do it in a totally different way. So even when it comes to a lack of wisdom, sometimes our education or what we would normally do, the Lord will trump that with some wisdom that comes from heaven and will do something totally different. And so this is, uh, it's wonderful uh, when we hear from him and he can solve every problem and we can be so fruitful and have total uh, abundance with our life, okay? All right, so look, look at this, like just talking about this, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 4, it says, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance. So this is Paul the apostle. And so I'm just showing you like, we can all thank God for our lives after looking at Paul the Apostle and, and some of the stuff he did. So uh, it says, by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, uh, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. So uh, when we talk about being in the hot water and that we can be stronger in the hot water, you can see that Paul was in the hot water in a lot of different ways. And he actually said in the end, he said, I have finished my course. I have fought the fight. He actually finished his course, and he did it with joy. He, he, all of the things that happened to Paul, he was able to overcome every single thing, and he finished his course with joy. It's important for us as Christians to know that along the way, things will try to rob us and steal us of our joy. But if we trust God and we go to him, we can finish our course, but not only finish it, not come out like all beat up and our clothes ripped and hardly we can walk, but we can come out and say we finished our course with joy. Okay? So look at this in, in Acts 14 with uh, Paul in verse number 19. It says, But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead now that's in the hot water you know and uh, so thank God for these free countries that we are blessed to live in where we're not persecuted for preaching the gospel like this but look at how Paul responded to being stoned and dragged out of the city supposing that he was dead in verse number 20 it says but when the disciples gathered about him he rose up and entered the city and then look at this. On the next day, he went on with Barnabas and Derby. He walked to another city the day after he was stoned. And so this is what we're saying, that the way that we can respond to situations, uh, you know, when something slaps you across the head, you know, and it tries to knock you off your feet, to know that you can get back up off your feet 
and be able to respond and you see that with Paul and then look at he was so not into himself look at in verse number 21 it says when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples so he gets stoned the next he gets up the next day goes to a different city and it's not about him it's about what he's called to do and it's and you know even the whole thing about being a victim and always having self-pity you know when when it's not when we decide it's not going to be about us that's one of the first steps like just make a decision I'm on the earth and the reason I'm on the earth it's not for me and that you know and that really happens when God gets on the inside of us as soon as God get got, you know as soon as God got on the inside of me he started to work and you know it was all about me before then you know my, I you know and I said this before and I say it as a joke that you, you know your pastor here has he was so deep in his desires that before I was saved all I wanted to do was make a lot of money have a nice car and have a bachelor pad and never get married she shook her head and said no and so I, I told you it's different when she's here <laughs> I behaved <laughs> but you know that's that's as deep as I was and as soon as I said Jesus I confess you as my Lord you're welcome in my heart as soon the microsecond I thought how stupid I was I didn't know why I was on the earth and it, no it, it immediately started to change and it wasn't about me it was not the next day but now for sure it's about people other people and that's why we're on the earth and so you see that Paul went and he preached the gospel the next day and then and then it made he start making disciples and then look in verse 22 it says strengthening the souls of the disciples encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God the tribulations back there when you were pine pioneering the gospel in that religious place there are different tribulations now <laughs> you know maybe a modern-day tribulation would be the Lord would say put your iPad or iPhone down and go and walk away from it and go pray in another room that, that that's like the different the new tribulation we could say just a whole but we're, we're in a different world you know and we we just know that sometimes the Lord might say do something but the challenge that we face is different than the challenge they faced okay now just to save some time here here is a list of Paul's hardships I just did bullet points so we could go through it so I'm just gonna go through countless labors imprisonments and, and the, the scripture that this came from are those five verses you see up there countless labors imprisonments countless beatings often near death five times he received 39 lashes three times he was beaten with rods once was stoned three times was shipwrecked a night and day was adrift at sea frequent journeyings in danger from rivers dangers from robbers dangers from his own people dangers from Gentiles danger in the city danger in the wilderness danger at sea danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst often without food in cold and exposure <laughs> so we could say this that Paul was in the hot water very often and he dealt with a lot of different things all right so today just to stay simple with the time that we have left 
we, we, here's what we want to look at. We want to look at fighting. And like, is, so if we're going to get out of the hot water or we're going to get stronger in the hot water and battle but we become mighty, you know, what, what are just a few simple things that we can start off with today? So look at Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 15. And what you see here is he's, they, were, they, they, had a, they were in the hot water. Okay, and he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this horde. So they, they, they had a bunch that were coming against them. Then he said, for the battle is not yours, but God's. So the first thing we want to just talk about two things today that can start igniting us to overcome every situation that comes our, our way. The first one is a revelation and an understanding that every battle that you fight, it doesn't have to be yours. You can make it yours. But every battle that you fight, it doesn't have to be yours. It's up to you whether you make it yours. So here's a practical way to say that. Cancer, if it comes on somebody's body, are, do they fight cancer? Is their fight the cancer? And we'll answer these questions. If you have anxiety, are you to fight anxiety? Whatever you have going on, is that what you fight? Well, if you choose to fight those things in your own strength, then that's all you have is your strength. So this, number one, is us, all of us Christians, including myself, is we want to get to this place where whatever shows up in our life, we don't think that we're the ones fighting that, but we get to this place where, okay, the battle is not mine, it's the Lord's. It's easy to say behind the pulpit. It's easy to say when you're teaching and preaching, the grace of God is on you. It's a whole different thing when you walk off the stage and I, I live life like you do and something comes against me, am I going to remind myself, this battle is not mine, it's the Lord's. So this is for all of us, including myself. We have to get to this place where we look at every single, every single thing that comes against us, it's the Lord's battle. So cancer, that name, people don't like to hear that name, but with a strong revelation that it's the Lord's battle and not yours, cancer has a different thing then. Okay, so this came into my heart, this phrase uh, that the thing that seems so big is much smaller when compared to God. So things that can seem so big, seated in heavenly places even, when you look at those things even from that heavenly seat, when you look at those things knowing we can give the battle to him and we don't have to fight it ourselves. I remember um, a, a precious brother uh, that uh, when we were in our other building over in Slacks Creek and he came to church uh, and left. He was an alcoholic and he was about 15 minutes away and just like we do, uh, we're here to talk to anyone that wants to talk after the service, my, Patsy and myself. And, I'm talking to other people. Well, 15 minutes later, mostly everyone was gone by then. He comes back, and he said he was driving down the road, and he said, the Lord said, go back and ask Pastor Tony to pray for you. He was an alcoholic. So Now, alcoholism and addiction, that can seem big. But the Lord, he, he heard from the Lord, and the Lord said, go have that. So he came, 
and of course, you know, we all deal with this, that we don't feel, sometimes we don't feel qualified or we don't feel, we don't have a feeling that makes us think we can do the big things. But if we get, get out of here and operate with our heart, it's really important to get out of the mind sometimes and flow with your heart. Okay? And so I flowed with the heart and I prayed for my heart. And I just prayed a simple prayer that God would recreate, He would cleanse His blood. He would cleanse His blood like, because you know, you can you know, go on dialysis and get cleansing like that. Well, I just prayed that God would cleanse His blood. And by cleansing His blood of all that alcohol and whatever, He would be broken of the addiction. To make a long story short, He didn't drink for years after that. He was instantly delivered. That's the battle is his. When, he, when we let God get involved with battles, every impossible thing can be turned immediately. Okay? So we see that. Now here's the second thing. Just two simple things today. So 1 Timothy then, 6 and verse 12, it says, fight the good fight of faith. So we just saw that in the Old Testament it says, well, the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. Then we see here, fight the good fight of faith. So is, is there a contradiction here? And no, there is not. This is not a contradiction. And here's why. Here's an example. Our fight isn't against people. So if you have a relational situation between and, and have relationship problems with somebody, look at it like it's the Lord's battle. So you're not fighting people. You're not fighting sickness. You're not fighting oppression. Whatever it is, you're not fighting that. You're not fighting people, but it's the Lord's battle. So we're told to fight the good fight of faith. Well, what does that mean? Okay, so instead of combating cancer and fighting those kind of things, here's, here's the way that we'll say it. We instead fight to enter into, enter into rest. So the Bible says to, en- to enter into rest. The Bible says fight the good fight of faith. We could say that we're fighting and we're striving to get into faith because if you try to fight cancer you don't have the supernatural ability to fight it if you try to fight the devil but if you fight to get into faith in other words I'm gonna fight the good fight of faith you get yourself to where you can believe God that's what the good fight of faith is you get in a place where you trust God you get into a place where you know that he can fight your battle and you turn it over to him. And so you're in a place of rest and you're letting him fight for you. He'll fight and destroy cancer. He'll mend relationships. He'll get rid of oppression and depression. He'll give you sufficient amounts of wisdom. He'll get you everything that you need to go through life victoriously, abundant life. Let him fight for you. You fight the good fight of faith. He does all the other work, okay? All right, so um, in Acts chapter 16, look, look at this. Uh, this is how we're going to end here today. But it says, when they had brought them to the magistrates. Now, this is after Paul. They, they did some really wonderful things, and they got persecuted for it. And they said, these men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. And then 1622 says, the crowd joined in attacking them, 
and the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods, getting thrown into the hot water again. And then verse 23, and when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, more hot water, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison. It's, it was a more secure prison, but that wasn't enough, and fastened their feet in stocks. So they're in the inner prison, buried there, probably no windows, no daylight probably, and their feet and hands are in stocks. And then it says in verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, and look at this, singing hymns to God. It's so important. They could have got a victim mentality. The Lord saved us, and then after he saved us, he sent us to preach. And everywhere we preach, we get persecuted. And now look at us. We're in an inner prison, and we're in stocks and bonds. Why is this always happening? We're just doing what God said to do. They could have done that. And isn't it tempting to do that, right? But that's what you call a victim mentality. And look what they, instead of doing that, they were, they began praying and singing praises to God. And the prisoners were listening to him. So they weren't whispering. They were doing it loud. And then in verse 26, it says, Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And, I, and notice that, that thing where, that everyone's bonds were unfastened. Immediately all the doors. You know, when a few Christians decide to press into God and worship Him and have a spirit of faith, other people's doors, all the prison doors, all the prisoners were set free because a few Christians decided to press into God. You know, even as a congregation here today, you know, we're going to press into God right now, and I'd like to have the worship team come. We're, we're, we're going to end differently today because I had it on my heart. It says, when, when Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, we're going to end today's service by entering in, and we're going to press into God and worship Him. So, Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.